KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, February 23rd. Lawmakers propose their own plans for reopening schools. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California legislatures have approved $600 stimulus checks for low to moderate income residents. Checks will go to about 5.7 million Californians who make $30,000 a year or less. Immigrants who file taxes and make $75,000 a year or less are also eligible for assistance. The Petco Park vaccination superstation is set to reopen today after being closed since last week due to delayed shipments of vaccines. Those delays are being blamed on the extreme cold in the middle of the country. UC San Diego health officials say all appointments for second doses will automatically be rescheduled. If you had an appointment through my UCSD chart, check the website for updates. The San Diego City Council is expected to tackle short-term rentals again at its meeting this morning. City Council President Jennifer Campbell has proposed an ordinance that she says is a compromise between rental companies and local property owners. The compromise caps short-term rental units at 1% of the city's housing stock, limiting it to about 4,500 units in total. Currently, the city auditor says there are some 16,000 units available for short-term rentals. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Educators, state lawmakers, and Governor Gavin Newsom are all at a standstill over plans to reopen California's public schools for in-person learning. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. After negotiations with Governor Newsom fell apart, legislative Democrats last week unveiled their own plan for reopening schools. Assembly Budget Chairman Phil Ting wants to put more pressure on districts. He says many schools didn't push hard enough to get kids back into classrooms last fall. The state offered up $5 billion for schools to spend on safe reopening, but Ting says districts only spent 11% of it. They want us to give them money with no accountability, no guarantees of in-person learning this year, local control has been a complete failure. Many school officials say portions of the bill would hinder reopening. Meanwhile, Newsom says the measure wouldn't get kids back to classrooms fast enough. And that was Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon. Meanwhile, the San Diego Unified School District continues working towards in-person learning. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong has that story. Franklin Elementary in City Heights is one of a number of schools across the district that have launched in-person learning labs, which are serving students with disabilities and others who have fallen behind during distance learning. Allison Paredes is a kindergarten teacher at Franklin who started with just six students for a few hours a day. But those few hours have made a significant difference. 
I've been able to um, have some of my most vulnerable students coming in. So my students where English might not be their first language, and so it helps with the language barrier, or students that have um, IEPs, individualized education um, programs in place. So it's been really great. Starting next week, she'll have up to 14 students for a full school day, but she won't be on her own. The district is providing a classroom aid to make sure students are staying safe and on track. District-wide, about 20,000 students qualify for the program. Joe Hong, KPBS News. More than a decade ago, the Marine Corps established the Wounded Warrior Battalions for Marines with the worst mental and physical injuries. But those battalions aren't addressing one of the troops' most common issues, that Marines who are suicidal or suffer PTSD are still being discharged for misconduct. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh has the story. Staff Sergeant Romeo Pactoris Jr. has multiple combat tours starting in Iraq in 2004 and later in Helmand province in Afghanistan when his outpost was attacked from a nearby village. Getting attacked and firefights and so when I got back I noticed that was not the same. A few years later as an instructor he remembers saving a Marine's life. He says a young Marine threw a live grenade and it bounced back landing in between them. The Marine froze and Pectoris dove on top of him. What I remember is everything is slow motion. You know, by the time I grabbed that Marine, I really thought I was going to lose my leg. It's also where he received a traumatic brain injury. I started getting headaches, really dizzy. Pectoris' 18-year career as a Marine came to an abrupt end after a DUI in Okinawa. Hearing voices, he was hospitalized for suicidal thoughts and flown back to the Naval Hospital in San Diego. He spoke from a wounded warrior battalion at Camp Pendleton as he was fighting to stop the Marine Corps from kicking him out of the service. I feel like, you know, they're just going to try to put me in the streets with no help um, after all the years of service that I did. Christopher Goldsmith says it's a common story. It happened to him. I was kicked out of the Army in 2007 after surviving a suicide attempt. Um, and. This is the type of thing that is all too common. Goldsmith has gone on to form Higher Ground, where he advocates for changing the law so that fewer troops get discharged for misconduct in the first place, which affects their veterans' benefits. He says it's still happening as often as it does because it's too easy for commanders to separate service members. There's no accountability. Officers can you know, discharge people and, and ruin their lives by stripping people who uh, are suffering from PTSD, from access to health care. And that officer just gets to move on with their life uh, while someone you know, may end up suicidal, may end up dead a few years later. At Camp Pendleton's Wounded Warrior Battalion, where Pectoris was assigned, the commander won't address individual cases. Lieutenant Colonel Brian Heisman says most of the Marines who end up here are on their way out of the Corps, many voluntarily. My focus is to ensure that their medical treatment is coordinated, and that's really where that, that begins and that ends. We are aware of legal issues, but really our focus is on the medical side. Heisman is a former infantry officer without a medical background. Wounded warrior battalions are marine units, not medical units. They coordinate treatment and connect with the VA benefit system for those marines being discharged because of illness or injury. 
It was Pactoris's commander back in Okinawa who wanted him to be involuntarily discharged for misconduct, even though he's undergoing treatment. At the 11th hour, Pactoris hired a private attorney, Jay Sullivan, to try to stop him from being discharged. If someone doesn't save him, I, I believe he will die. And he cannot do this alone. He needs help. He needs a lot of help because the disorders that he has are permanent and he will be struggling for the rest of his life. Pactoris says it's more than a potential loss of benefits. It's a sense of abandonment. I had my uh, interview with uh, Sergeant Major and Lieutenant Crone, and, you know, I was just, I, I couldn't control my, my emotions. Uh, so I just started breaking down and, you know. A few days after this last interview, Staff Sergeant Pectoris texted that his involuntary discharge was final. He had to leave the Wounded Warrior Battalion at Camp Pendleton and head home to Texas, where he faces an uncertain future. And that was KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, some of Governor Gavin Newsom's biggest donors received no-bid contracts during the COVID era. We'll hash out the finer details next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A CAP Radio investigation has found an overlap of companies that made substantial contributions to Governor Gavin Newsom and then received no-bid contracts from the state, or said contributors received influential appointments and other opportunities related to California's pandemic response. The contributions range from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the contracts range from $2 million to over $1 billion, including one awarded to Blue Shield for vaccine distribution, a contract that was made public earlier this week and is worth up to $15 million. State government reporter Scott Rod spoke about his investigation with CAP Radio's Ed Fletcher to hash out the details. Here's that interview. Scott, at a high level, what did your reporting find? 
So I started following contracts that the state awarded to companies in connection to the pandemic response. Um, and, you know, the, the, many of these contracts were awarded under an emergency basis or a no bid basis, which means there wasn't competitive bidding. And it's important to note that that is allowed under states of emergency, but it often raises questions and deserves extra scrutiny um, since it doesn't go through that process. And what I found was in at least four instances, uh, major contributors to Newsom uh, gave gave money in the months leading up to, and in most cases after receiving no bid contracts in connection to the state's pandemic response. Uh, the contracts were worth millions of dollars in one case, over a billion dollars, and the contributions ranged from tens of thousands of dollars uh, up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's important to point out that none of what you reported is illegal or involves wrongdoing at this point. But my question is this, what do ethics experts say about these no-bid contracts? So again, no evidence of criminal wrongdoing, but you know, the old adage applies here, the appearance of wrongdoing at times can be just as bad as the actual thing. And expert, experts I spoke to said that this, this is the kind of thing that erodes public trust. And it raises questions about transparency. You know, Newsom was quick to tout the partnerships with some of these companies, um, but he wasn't proactive in necessarily dispelling about concerns over the overlap in contributors receiving these no-bid contracts. Scott, give us an example of a major contributor that also received a no-bid contract during the pandemic response. Sure. Uh, so one example is a company called United Health. Uh, in December 2019, they contributed $31,000 to Newsom. Then a few months later in April, a subsidiary of the company received a $100 million no-bid contract to expand testing in California. That was later increased to $177 million. Uh, in the coming months, they also received over $300 million in contracts. Those were on a kind of expedited bidding process. And in December of 2020, the company then contributed another $31,000 to Newsom directly and $100,000 to Newsom's ballot measure committee. And, you know, again, it's important to note that the governor's office denies any wrongdoing, as do the companies. Um, but again, this question of transparency being forthright and optics is what concerns uh, observers and experts that I spoke to. What's been the governor's response? So again, he denies wrongdoing. Um, he, his office says that he had to work quickly to stand up services and get essential equipment in place. And I'll read a, a directly from uh, the governor's comment that they sent to me, quote, the governor's administration made the decision to enter into all contracts related to the COVID-19 response based on the best interests of the state and protecting the health and welfare of all our residents, end quote. And that was CAP Radio reporter Scott Rod talking about his latest investigation into Governor Gavin Newsom, which you can read more about at capradio.org. And for our arts segment today, La Jolla Playhouse continues to release new digital WOW or Without Walls shows online since live performances are still not allowed. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando says you can finish out Black History Month with an intergenerational poetry piece called Spittin' Truth to Power While Light Leaping for the People. 
Spitting truth to power while light leaping for the people uses images, music, and spoken word in the West African tradition of griot, in which traveling poets employed oral storytelling and song to pass down history from one generation to the next. This free three-part series from La Jolla Playhouse's Digital Wow features DJ Shammy D and octogenarian poet Alice Smith Cooper. I'm howling in rage at the undeniable injustices continuing with contempt for you. In this country, this experiment in consciousness. The Playhouse invites you to take the sermon challenge and create your own version of the sermon video using dance, spoken word, or whatever you'd like to spit your own truth to power. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.